Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our next session of the U2 Conference 2020. I hope everybody has been enjoying themselves so far. We've had some amazing presentations up to this point, and why stop now, right? Just as a reminder, all of our sessions will be available on demand through Whova. After the conference ends, it'll be up on the website for three months and on the Whova app for six months. So with um, this particular session, it is also being recorded for a future airing by the Garden Tarts themselves. So at this point, uh, we'd like to thank you for coming to Tart Talk. How did you two rock your vote? First, some housekeeping. Everyone's mics should be muted, but this is going to be a very interactive session with the Garden Tart. So if you'd like to participate in the conversation, please type your name in the Whova chat or in the speaker Q&A, and we'll call on you when we get to that section of the episode. At that time, you can unmute your mic, and when you're done, we ask you to please mute yourself again. We welcome you having your screen on for the session. And so, the Garden Tarts' Kissing Lips and Breaking Hearts, a U2-ish podcast, began in 2019 and is hosted by Hillary Frank and Jenny Stedman, who have been best friends for over 25 years. They have over 60 episodes on their site, thegardentarts.com. Today's podcast topic is, how did U2 rock your vote? So I can't wait to hear what everyone has to say. So rock on, Hillary and Jenny. It's all yours. Thanks so much, Sherry. We are so excited to Thanks. be here. And as Sherry said, I'm Jenny. Hillary is over there, two cubes over from me in Zoom. And we're the Garden Tarts, which we know we try to have a lot of fun, a lot of you do, and to remain mostly irreverent, even when talking about voting, as important as it is. <laughs> So welcome to our talk, talk about how you two rocked your vote. We are not afraid to talk about politics. If you've been following our podcast episodes at all, we are very open about our views on things, as well as we have had our Vote Baby campaign to encourage people to get out and vote, vote early, vote by mail, and also provide information for that. So we figured it's time for us to stop talking so much and maybe it's time to talk to you. But first, I'm gonna throw it over to you, Hillary. It looks like we might have lost her. Well, that is no good. <laughs> there we go. Hillary, you back? Can see you. Oh, well, my goodness. Here we go, unmute yourself. Do we like to say we like to have a little fun? Maybe Sorry. be a little irreverent, you know, take this serious stuff and just throw some kinks into it. <laughs> I don't know if she wasn't out voting. Yeah, she was out voting. It's exactly, you just made a quick pit stop, right? Yeah, I had a... So Hillary, we've told all of our friends here about our Tart Talks and our Vote Baby campaign, and I was throwing it over to you. Oh, so how you doing today, Jenny? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Glad to be here. Should we, should we start this talk like we do all of our ups on our podcast? I think that's probably a really good idea. So what you drinking tonight? I am drinking whiskey sour. Oh, nice. I have. It's probably whiskey. It's pro I have screwball peanut butter whiskey in my Vote Baby mug. Mine's Jameson. Just, we really love you know, our whiskey. For the occasion. 
So small disclaimer, we know that not everyone listening here is necessarily based in the U.S., but we still hope that you'll get involved in your local politics and definitely vote. We hope that because you're here, it's because you like to be involved in such things. doesn't matter where you are. We're also assuming that everyone who is listening, it leans at least a little bit left. I mean, have you listened to YouTube before? <laughs> if not, we are happy to hear your opinions and stuff too. But before we get started, we have a super short video we'd like to share just to show a little bit of a background of some YouTube moments in U.S. political history, and then we'll get into our discussion. Hey there, listeners. If you're a YouTube fan, you are more than likely aware of the work that Bono has done and continues to do in Africa. It's amazing work, and the exciting thing is you can get involved too. There are two simple ways. One, go to one.org and sign up to fight against extreme poverty. Two, visit red.org to shop. What? Shopping helps? It sure does. By purchasing red branded products, you are contributing to the Global Fund, which supports HIV AIDS grants in many African countries. As your man says, where you live should not decide whether you live or whether you die. So head on over to one.org and red.org to join the garden tarts in doing our part to end AIDS. stops on the YouTube political train there. And the many changing hairstyles of Bono. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there they are, the Irish in America. If you're here today, you probably don't need a history lesson on YouTube and U.S. politics. From Reagan into the 80s and current day Trump, they've had a lot to say with the perfect platform. So how did YouTube rock your vote? Yeah, so which came first, the chicken or the egg? Were you involved or interested in U.S. politics before you were exposed to YouTube, Or did that come from being a fan? Or were you a fan and just not affected at all by YouTube and their politics? For me, I came from a, I come from a very philanthropic family. My grandparents hammered this into us. But it was YouTube was the back of the liner notes and propaganda. It was Amnesty International and Greenpeace. That's what got me to realize that one person writing letters could make a difference. And then as I got older and more interested in local politics and even American politics, that's how that spiraled. So for me, if U2 is the egg, the egg came first. So U2 is what really got me into my activism. For me, it was the chicken, I think. <laughs> I come from a family that's very political in our local government or state on state level too. So I was raised with this politics, you know, in my brain from a very, very early age. I was born on election day. So um, anyway, so for me, U2 was just, you know, a nice little accompaniment to what I what I already had as a kind of solid political base. So then that's when we want to ask you, we really want this to be a discussion and for people to share their experiences and what this band and voting and politics and activism means to them. So if anyone else would like to share, please do so. That's why we're here tonight. So go for exactly. it. Exactly. Right. People can just unmute themselves and right. Start talking. Right, Cherry. 
I believe so. Otherwise, I'm going to jump in. And I think everybody's heard enough of me this past week. So we'd like to hear from everybody else. Uh, let's see. How do I raise my hands? Well, that oh, would be Ben. Just go ahead, yeah. Ben. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it was definitely Zoo TV. Uh, in 1988, my mother pulled me out of school to go see H.W. Bush speak at an event uh, near home. So I was raised, she was a Republican, my grandfather was a Republican. Like, so it was, for me to switch like that was a pretty big thing. Uh, and it's been a, you know, 28 year old argument that we've been having together now since. So it definitely impacted my life, changed the relationship with my family. It made me a better person. I'd say they're still stuck back in time unfortunately and so that has made that kind of deteriorate over time as well because we've had many arguments of you know what is right and what it's wrong but zoo tv for me i mean just the mockery of hw bush i thought was fantastic and then his association with bill clinton and just having someone younger running for president instead of this old old man uh that it definitely made a big difference for me and then their activism ever since it's got me active. I worked on the Obama campaign. I got to go to the convention in Denver in 88 and, and so on and so forth. So the, yeah, you two made a tremendous impact for me. That's awesome. Anyone, Anyone else? else like to chime in? Just unmute your mic and you can start talking. Hey, I'll share. Great. Yeah, for me, 1983, right? Uh, war album. And I was a sophomore in college uh, at the same time. So it was kind of happening together. You know, so I was a political science minor, so I was coming together and, you know, figuring out even just what Sunday Bloody Sunday was. Or, uh, and then from there, so, uh, well, I'll go back a little bit. I was raised in a Republican household, not overly political or anything, but our whole area was Republican. So I was a registered Republican when I was 18. And uh, I think by, I still remember wearing, by, by 1985 probably, I, if you guys remember the Frankie Goes to Hollywood shirts, <laughs> yep. Black letters. I had one that said, "Ronnie says fuck the poor," and uh, you know, the reference to Reagan's policy. So, and then ninety, let's see, by ninety, yeah, ninety-one. Whenever Clinton's first campaign was, I ended up working on that in our county, and I even got to go to the inaugural balls and in DC and the parade and the inauguration. And I teach high school social studies, so it's been a you know That's long a journey. Road. That is so, a but road. Yeah, definitely, you know, all those like you said earlier, like the liner notes and just becoming aware of the world and it definitely had an impact and, and helped form my path a little bit. That's really cool, Dave, how that's just woven through your life. I want to add in that when President Bill Clinton was inaugurated, that was the very first year MTV had the MTV inaugural ball. So that really like helped throw rock and roll into the political mix, which I think is pretty cool. And I'm actually not quite sure when they started their rock the vote campaign, but that's still going strong. I think it also was 92-ish. I mean, it was, was it then? Yeah. I didn't get to go to the MTV ball, but I do remember that. It wasn't, um, was REM part of that? Was that the year REM and you yes. two did a yeah. little dab thing? The Automatic Baby, yeah. yeah. Automatic Baby. Yeah, with Larry and Adam. Mike and Mike. <laughs> Great, thanks for sharing. When you do come on, don't hesitate to say your name because we will be editing this for a future podcast episode. 
and that way we can see your names and your faces here, but people can't see your names and faces and <laughs> on the podcast players. Anyone else care to share? Yeah, I, I uh, got into politics, I think, more as a result of you two and their music. My name's Crystal, by the way. Hey, Crystal. I, I was raised in Kansas and Missouri, so much more conservative. That's not who I am as a person. I'm in New England now and like it much better out here. Um, so that's, it definitely feels more comfortable. I came out of the closet in uh, Kansas and definitely had to get the hell out of Dodge, almost literally. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember going to, uh, it was Austin, Texas, which is definitely a bit more liberal. Um, Ann Richards was governor at the time. Clinton was running for president. First uh, time I went to a rally for someone who was running and I had my one of my Zoo TV t-shirts on. So. Very cool, yeah. <laughs> And I got to shake hands with uh, Al Gore and got a really good picture of Clinton. Nice. And it, I, I think as a result of their music, I've gotten more into, you know, what I can do politically. Whereas I think without their music, I probably would have just been like, yeah, whatever. Isn't that amazing that, because I mentioned that before, it's through their activism and their music that I've learned that I actually, as a solo person, can make a difference. And it's not necessarily all or nothing. You don't have to be working all the time. One thing here and one thing there. It spirals, it's great. And you're the third person so far to come from a conservative background to lean the other way. That's interesting. I came from a very liberal background, but I did not know about politics on a global level until I was a big U2 fan. Like they introduced me to the rest of the world. I just understood what was going on in the US before right. I was a fan. I barely can remember before I was a fan though. Not a lot <laughs> yeah. in my life happened. <laughs> it was really boring. Uh, this is this is Mona Hudak. I agree with what you just mentioned, Hillary. I was also just so naive about global politics until the end And to the whole notion of red and data and um, the fact that, you know, Bono has a 2% or, or so interest in Facebook. I, I just didn't realize all these things going on behind the scenes um, that are impacting my perceptions and my leanings. So I grew up in a central valley, uh, small town, California. So we had, we had no, I had no exposure. Our family didn't discuss politics. You know, like dinner table, we didn't have any type of position that was vocalized. So it wasn't until I got into the two that I realized there's just so much going on in this great big world. You know, why don't I have more information about this? Why am I not more connected? And it was through the music and through the lyrics, really, that just opened up my eyes and how privileged, really, I am. Um, and that um, really swayed me and I've become much more generous in where I throw my money. Yeah, I'm very, but it's very pointed, really, very based on education. I really have to thank them for that. Absolutely. Talking about data, Hillary and I did a little bit of work with Jubilee 2000, and which then turned into Drop the Debt. And that was so eye-opening to me on a global scale, but then made me think I could then translate that to locally to what was happening in my community, in my neighborhood, and the way that Bono with his global activism and the band with their music is able to make you take this great big art and bring it into your own community is just really 
and it's personalized for everyone. Everyone's going to have a different thought, different idea, but it's really quite a, a magical thing that they're able to do. And the influence, I'm sorry. once you come a little more um, educated and you start you know, citing um, some you know, references that are fact-based and I, you know, I can become more influential. I think someone mentioned about just being one person, do you think you can really make a difference? And, and yeah, you do. You, you can because you have a larger influence when you start speaking from a you know, position of, of education you know, and, and that emotion. Well, that completely leads us into our next kind of discussion topic. Hillary, do you want to start that one? Yeah. So in the late 90s, Bono actually got involved in legislation instead of just using his really big soapbox the stage. He suddenly had to be nonpartisan and lobbied some very far right politicians. How did you feel about that interaction? We did have a few things in the chat for people who could not unmute on the last question. Oh, yeah. So let's okay. go for that. Before we get yeah. too far ahead. So Nancy Briggs says, being older than most of you, I was already very politically conscious before you two were born. They confirm and amplify my values. And Jackie Clary oh. chimes in and says, Rock the Vote started in 1990. And she, of course, Jackie knows. Thank you, Jackie. Know. Yes. Yes. She yeah, um, <laughs> includes a uh, link in the chat. So we can go back Perfect. to the question already in progress. Awesome. Okay. So, as Hillary said, it was about Bono taking his activism from the stage to actual legislation and um, lobbying with some far right politicians. And we're curious how the fan base that you're here feel about that. We have our opinions, but we talk about our opinions all the time. All the time. <laughs> we have our own soapbox to that. <laughs> I'll talk about that for a minute. Um, yeah, Dave, great. I think many of you probably remember Bono's story about Live Aid and seeing that a lot of the money did not go to Ethiopia. And I think that upset him. And and then I, I don't know exactly at what point where like he felt that you know, raising awareness, educating wasn't enough for him. And to really create change, you had to identify who had the power to make decisions. And I think Jeffrey, um, was it, is it Blount or Blunt, who spoke yesterday, uh, who wrote the book, The Emancipation of Evan Wall, I think. Yeah, Jeffrey Blunt, uh, The Emancipation of Evan Wall. He talked about this too, about taking that step to identify people in power who can really really bring about change you know and i think about this when i see things like hashtag activism and you know awareness and education is, a, is a, an important step uh, but it doesn't bring about change until people in power are pushed to make change and bono did that with was it strom thurmond and george w bush and bill clinton and barack obama and i'm sure other world leaders that are not based in the United States, but I, I just think that's such an important part of, of activism is identifying those in power and going after them. Just going off of what Dave was saying, I also think about Jesse Helms. Bono was very vocal about using the Bible to really start that conversation and changing hearts and minds with the most conservative of legislators back in his early days of real activism within the walls of Congress. He would always find that one thing that they both held in common, and then that opened the door for the conversation. I think kind of back then you, you were dealing with some right-wing people too who had an ideology, whereas right now 
perhaps there isn't so much an ideology as the people who are using the Bible use it more as a weapon kind of thing. So I think it makes your um, moving into these realms a lot more fraught with landmines, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Lori, do you have a thought on this? That was me. I'm sorry, I'm Lori. <laughs> okay, thanks. Your um, name came up, so wanted to see. Hillary, I was curious to know if Bono's activism has changed perspectives on how people vote that if they see that a particular candidate or a particular person who's already in position agrees with what he wants to see happen with the one campaign or drop the debt, if they're more likely to vote for that candidate, regardless of if they're a Democrat or a Republican, if just supporting somebody who supports Bono's values or, or what he's looking for with the one campaign is enough to um, earn a vote for that individual. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think for me personally, I love Bono, but he's not going to sway my vote on voting, you know, liberal or conservative. I wouldn't take anything from that. I don't know. I mean, people should listen to him. He has the great platform that he does. And I guess if you if you don't really already have a stance, then he's probably a good person, you know, to listen to to decide. But me personally, I mean, I'm I wasn't a fan of him you know, socializing with the really right people. Anyway, I think Ed also mentioned that at one point that he wasn't a fan of Habano rubbing elbows with Strom Thurmond and etc. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I just can't imagine not having my ideology that I have right now. So I don't know. What do you think, Jenny? For me, my two main political sources are Bono and my mom. So... <laughs> When I don't know a way to vote on something, I ask my mom and we tend to think a lot alike and I take the information she gives me and I look up more to see what that really is. And often we're so aligned, it doesn't matter. And Bono's the same way. I He doesn't, I, I'm already going in that direction. So right. for him, it's just, um, it's just more information. It's more education. I will read more about things. I will learn more about things. I don't try not to take things as a hundred percent fact from anyone and try to learn more on my own. Hey, Jenny, can I add to that? Yes, please, Jackie. So, hey, so this is Jackie in San Diego. And uh, what I think what's great about what you just said was what I was sitting here thinking is what's so wonderful about what Bono and you two have done with politics and talking with all these people. It's introducing everybody to who these folks are and not just who these folks are but the issues and you talk about well would you vote the way Bono does because he's Bono I think and for me personally through the years too he may have brought up and the band may have brought up an issue I had no idea or a politician who I had no idea who that was and it's funny this is kind of a strange comparison but I keep thinking in the last week or two about the story I just saw about Shaquille O'Neal Shaquille O'Neal's in his mid 40s, late 40s, and he's never voted before. And he just came out on his podcast a week or two ago and said he just voted for the first time. And what wow. I think, isn't that great? What I think Crazy. is so fabulous about that is that by him doing that, he's going to encourage other people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are sitting here going, well, I can't start voting now. Well, yeah, you can. And so I think that for me, 
Bono and Edge and and other very politically active bands, like I'm a huge Indigo Girls fan too, have introduced me to people and to issues, you know, maybe I should have already known about at this point in my life, but they make me at least not embarrassed to say, you know what, I don't and I need to learn more. So I think that that's really fabulous. So that goes, I'm looking at the Q&A and Mona asked, she said, I was initially embarrassed to be so naive about politics and be schooled by these Irish lads. Were any others brought to task for this? Aim it like right there. And to me, it has, it's not about who, what, where, why, when that your education or, you know, the source of it comes from. It's about the fact that you get involved. So if that is your launching point, hallelujah, our country is better for you and for that source. And so much of what I know in the world about politics started with my love of just YouTube's music and wanting to know what they are singing about. And I mean, I th- they're proud of that and they should be. So I have a, yeah, it's just occurred to me, but in 2018 during E&I, I went to a lot of shows in a very short amount of time and I wasn't really watching the news. I wasn't really following the news so much. It was kind of cool because it was like, well, I'll figure it out tonight. Like they'll they'll say something <laughs> tonight that'll clue me in on what's going on and then I'll, you know, look everything up. But I don't have time right. to stop and listen to CNN when I was queuing and traveling and right. Yeah. You can just get into the show that night. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have anything else to add? There are a lot of you on here. Don't be shy. (laughs) We say things we think are stupid all the time and people tell us they aren't. So whatever you have to say, it's not stupid. (laughs) We say plenty of stupid things. Plenty of things. Well, there's another another question in the session Q&A. This is also from Nancy Briggs saying, as a person who was was into politics before you two were born, but became a fan along with my daughter, I would be interested in how many of you have children that you have introduced to social justice issues through you too. That is a great question. My children are 10 and 13. They very quickly became very big YouTube fans and are now very much like mom's crazy. So I'm at this kind of weird, (laughs) awkward place where they don't want to hear anything about it. But I can, it's a little light, you know, we're going to, we're going to work on that. But if it's second or third hand, they are interested in, you know, kind of their age relevant, what's going on in the world politically because of me, which then comes from the music. So a little second degree there. Does anyone else have kid experience with that? I'd love to hear that. Hi, this is Mona again. Um, yeah. yeah, I, Hi, Mona. Uh, I, I have a 24 year old daughter uh, who's been exposed to YouTube her whole life, even in the womb. And she um, been with me to she have my 63 shows. She's been to me with me about 12 times now, I think. So she is so wrapped up in advocacy. In fact, she's just stepped up huge in getting the vote out and BLM and providing links and resources to all of her audience. And she's an influencer now. And I'm really proud of that because she's really made a point to express her ideas and her politics and and provided that with resources to get more information, you know, to lend your vote, lend your voice. And I'm really, really proud of her for doing that. I don't think she would have done that uh, without the, and she says this too, without Bono's voice running through her head or 
she, you know, wearing that, what would Bono do? <laughs> so to speak. Um, so I, I think it, we slash me slash YouTube heavily influenced her um, right from the get go. And, and just the language itself is now part of the daily conversations. Oh my gosh, that gave me total chills. I had, I got chills too. But it is true. Like once you start listening to things Bono has to say, whether it's legislatively or in the music, in his lyrics, it's, you're like, I got to find out more. There's, as soon as you really hear it and listen to it, it's hard to not want to find out more. And that's really cool that you, that you brought that to her. I remember this, I think part of the reason I got chills is because when I first started getting really active politically, my mom called me and she's just like, I've been waiting. <laughs> like, I've just been waiting for it just to click and for you to get it. And I know that she's just giddy. Anytime I tell her I'm doing a phone banking or literature drops, any of these things, she just, she gets giddy about it. So <laughs> I think Nathan wants to chime in on this. Uh, Mr. Frank, do you want to unmute? Oh, Nathan Frank, the, the other Frank. Look, can you hear me? Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're of no relation, but you got two friends from Virginia. Hi, oh. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess we're neighbors and we're related it and we don't even know it. Um, <laughs> uh, but my name is Nate and I've got uh, got two kids. I try to foist my own musical sensibilities on them during all car rides and things like that. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I put it in the chat. I didn't really have too much to add other than it's, you know, when something's a big part of your life or my life, whatever, it sort of bleeds into your kid's life. And that's... Uh, probably inescapable right and it's just sort of like yeah. part of the course so uh you know try trying to be true to the what i consider the u2 ethic as i called it uh, a couple of days ago you know I, I try to really make a point of being intentional with the way that i talk with my kids you know to try to <laughs> introduce them to the issues that we're being introduced to ourselves as listeners of of u2 um but to sort of introduce the issues in a way that's maybe I don't want to say necessarily neutral, plenty of guidance is provided for sure, but but neutral enough that, you know, they're encouraged to sort of come down on their own on, on where, where they would stand with something and to figure out how they would approach that. That's great. Yeah, that's something we try and do too, is if our kids have a question about something, we'll, you know, give them as much information as we can, but also, you know, try and give rounded information so they can, both sides or, you know, different opinions to try and do that well so, i was um yeah. i was my parents their youtube was peter paul and mary that's what they listened to when i was growing up and um to this day they that's pretty much what they play most of the time but i mean i think i came by you know the music the message kind of just happened i was just i was born that way <laughs> you were born that way born we that say way. that people like to ask us why have you what is it? It's like, why, like, why have you been a YouTube fan so long? That's a question we get a lot, like for our kind of listener Q and A stuff. And we're like, we didn't, they chose us. We didn't choose them. No, totally true. <laughs> no. Yeah, for sure. I don't have kids, but I had a cat who really liked those one bracelets. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> At every show I got one. I'm like, no, I don't have one. And I bring them home and then she'd have a whole pile of one bracelets to play with. So that's all I that's got fair. there. That's fair. <laughs> I pictures. So we can move on to another little topic that's related unless anyone has anything else to share. My kids, this is Dave again. My kids, yeah. my son's 25, my daughter's 21. Oh, actually she just 
she's 22 now holy crap <laughs> um but uh you know now that you brought it up, i have to ask them uh because I, I think they got it from a lot of different sides but uh, obviously they're they know about my youtube fandom and uh, they've been to my son's been to one show my daughter's been to three shows with me but i don't i don't know if it was youtube through me that got it i mean they had other influences as well unitarian church you know just so i'm not sure that I, I think i have to ask them if kind of it was part of their current belief system i mean my my son has participated in recent BML protest in Rochester, New York, and my daughter's a music therapist and active in LGBTQ rights and just a, just a lot of stuff. So there definitely definitely has gotten to them, but I'm not sure if it was a direct route from you two to me to them. Asking report back. I'd be interested. In yeah, that. I was gonna say we're dying <laughs> to know that answer actually. For sure. Okay, we're going to move on. We've got about 15 minutes here and we don't want to lose any content time here. So our next topic is in 2016, for the first time, you two actually went after a presidential candidate and thereafter a sitting president. They went after President Trump with a direct hit during the Joshua Tree 30 in 2017 and then an experience in innocence in 2018 wondering if anyone has any comments on that this is of course the first sitting president since bono has been working with one in red that he has not pursued a meeting with or has not met with so which is also important it looks like diane has raised her hand okay so go ahead diane i just want to say that they did the thing with salesforce i believe the company was called and I was really proud of them in just before the election where they had this kind of backdrop where they were playing, I don't know, they had a video made up and it had our steam bleeder on it. And you know, he's talking all kinds of nonsense. And they had this like, these uh, German shepherds and they were kind of like German shepherds barking. And you just got this very, you could tell what they, how they felt. You really could tell that they were not happy with this. I was so proud of them. And then when I went to see them in 2018, um, at the end of the show, Bono, you know, they finished it and all, and Bono said, get home safe, we love you. And something in his voice, I had never heard his voice like that before. And it really, I got the feeling like he was scared for us. Yeah, I think Hello? he was definitely scared for us. Oh, you got it, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, I've never heard him in a show like that. Just the way, the tone of his voice. And it really, anyway, um, yeah, I. Yeah. Well, when they did that iHeartRadio and that other Vegas event that was really pointing at Trump, that was, yeah, I think he's scared for the world. Absolutely. Someone asked in the chat, Dave, it was Dave. He said, was Trump the first politician Bono went after like that, or has he gone after European leaders as well? And Hillary and I are actually talking about that earlier today, that we're just focusing on American leaders and presidents in that way. So we are but yes, he has, positive. but but we're not. We're not. That's for another. So clued in to the we'll European. An, no, but we'll have an up on that one of these days. Yeah, we will. So we were specifically talking about American politics here, but it's a good point to bring up that. Yeah, definitely. That's the case that. 
I'm sure there are European leaders that he has also gone after, but this was the first American leader that they went after on such a huge scale. Well, it just felt like this was the one thing that after, what, 20, 25 years of progress, there was enough known about this particular individual's politics and policies and, and frame of mind and history and, and, you know, especially with how connected the band is to the New York City scene, that there was enough known that I believe that Bono saw decades of all that progress, everything that this band has worked towards and has promoted and got people on board for was going to get erased almost instantaneously, you know, instantaneously within like a couple years, what took 20 to 30 years could be erased in two to three. And, and I think that that uh, angst was what uh, triggered them to sound the alarm in such a way. But at that point, the uh, train had already left the station. Yeah. Well, and if you go back and watch the their performance on the Lincoln Memorial for Obama's inauguration, which we had a really small clip of it in the beginning, Jackie actually shared the whole thing in her presentation last night. The and I wish I texted the quote to someone and I can't find it real quick, but you know, and Obama and the band, they're just elated that, you know, Martin Luther King's dreams are being realized in this moment. We have our first black president here in America in the United States, and then for us to take such a leap in the opposite direction just has to be, I mean, watching that from afar, we know what it feels like here, (laughs) but watching that from afar and also on a global scale because of other countries is just, it's crazy. Hi, hi, Jenny. uh, Sorry, this is Mona again. Hey, Mona, Um, yeah. Hi, Mona. Someone else just mentioned about the Salesforce slash Dreamfest show. Mm -hmm. Bullet the Blue Sky was the featured song. Kaguchi uh, was the, the, the premier um, event there. I, I was at that show. Um, and a friend of mine uh, cool. did the entire episode of YouTube Bullet the Blue Sky with the video imagery. And I put the link in the chat if folks want to give a watch. Great. Yeah, we had a little tiny bit of that in our earlier video. Right. Um, I was trying to keep it short. I wanted to put that whole thing in. Yeah. <laughs> but right, people right. should watch the whole thing if they haven't seen it because it's, I've never heard, I've never heard him talk like this on stage. Yeah. And it was a strange intense. crowd. And the, the, the audience, there were a handful of us, uh, YouTube fans, but there, the crowd was mainly um, just, it was a boondoggle. It was a corporate event. And so folks were just there and not right. having of YouTube. Um, so it was somewhat of a stale reception. So, yeah, we were sad about that, but we were thrilled with the message. Absolutely. And just a little bit of history behind that. Um, You two had partnered with Salesforce. Salesforce had basically became a presenter of the tour. Bono and Mark Benioff are good buddies. Uh, Mark is the uh, leader of Salesforce. But Salesforce also has a charitable side which offers its services to major charities like Special Olympics. I believe the One Campaign is also using um, Salesforce's charitable uh, back-end product. So this was sort of a friends helping friends type of opportunity, as well as it not being a formal U2 opportunity. They were able to use that event to try to change the masses because Dreamforce was a was a uh, um, annual event that users of Salesforce's products 
could come out as a national convention. So this was a captive audience of people who shared a similar uh, mindset because they worked for this company in an attempt to um, sway people who could then go back into their own various different towns and communities with that type of a message. And then U2.com also posted that whole Trump rant just weeks before the election. So it, it was a great point. It was definitely a a PR timed thing as with everything that U2 does. It's never just for one purpose. It's going to serve six or seven or nine or 10. And, and that Dreamforce event was definitely one of those kill 15 birds with one stone. Absolutely. And I'll note too, that it was my rather large donation to the <laughs> hospital in San Francisco that got me a VIP pass into that. So, yeah, I, I knew about the what, fundraising opportunity here and I, I did throw some money at it. I, I thought it was a, a good cause. Yeah, it raised a boatload of cash for the local hospital. So um, right. at least it didn't go go into the pockets. It went it went to help others. Truly, truly, which is why I was uh, was on board. Absolutely. Good for you. Well, I know we are coming down towards the end here, and big question: As Irish citizens, should they even be involved in U.S. politics at all? My personal opinion is that they're using, I mean, Bono, of course, is with the U.S. politicians for a global scale that he is legislating the local, the U.S. politicians for. But they are a band that puts the world on the stage and their opinions with it. And if the U.S. is at the forefront of that right now, then I think so. Well, we have a friend that's from out of the country and she messaged us on a really, you know, on a pretty regular basis that we need to vote and get this crap over with because it's affecting the rest of the world as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you 2 now has a reason because Edge is married to an American and two of his children are Americans. Absolutely, right. yeah. So it's not just they have homes over here. Half of one of the band members' family are Americans. And it's interesting that Edge has become quite vocal about the politics, far more so than Bono. I think Bono has to be reserved because of all the other interests that he uh, serves. But for for Edge, if you listen to U2X radio, if you're in the U.S., Closer to the Edge program, he's been quite politically... uh, minded on that as well as uh, there's many interviews where he shares his his thoughts more so than bono has over the past four years absolutely yeah so does anyone else have any comments on that well i so i think that with what's going on today with with u.s politics if you have that platform no matter what level it is i mean we use this Every single episode we have, we use that platform because it's socially responsible to do. It's not, this isn't, we're not down to like opinions. Our country is in a state of crap right now. So you have to say something if you have people listening. I mean, it's just a waste of your time, your effort and everything of of the platform to not say anything. It was like Bono says celebrity is currency, but you're just your platform, like our little podcast platform alone is currency. We have a place to talk about things and to share our opinions and hopefully educate people to become active. I don't think we're changing any opinions, but we sure hope to help people. <laughs> no, but we sure hope to encourage people to become active, especially if they haven't before. So 
We have a whole little campaign on that, uh, Vote Baby. Yeah, if you go to thegardentarts.com, up at the menu in the top, you can click on Vote Baby. You can hear, we have a special episode that is six reasons you should vote, which if you are an active voter and active in politics, I think you would enjoy listening to anyway, even if you've already voted or planned to vote, as well as the chart guide to voting in the USA in 2020, which is state by state which is actually most important in that is each state has a link at the bottom because stuff is changing rapidly. So if you click on that link, you'll go to your local state's board of elections to get the current a little information. Lemon. Yeah. Just click on the lemon. Click on the menu. Yeah. So, and share that with your friends, family, whatever. We try to have as much information in, the, in there as possible, but as the news is going, the keeps changing in states day to day week to week rules and deadlines so please vote needless to say if you haven't voted oh my god why why not i hope at least everyone has a plan because you know it's because they have a plan right right right. we shouldn't make bono save the world on his own we need to help out when we can so vote baby vote baby Sherry, I love your background. (laughs) Thank you. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much to Hillary and to Jenny for allowing us to sort of eavesdrop on Tart Vision 2020. Uh, (laughs) And we look forward to uh, getting to rehear the podcast when you guys launch it on your website. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Sherry. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thanks for being here. Bye. Thanks, guys.